the actual scripture reading for my message today is Psalm 41 through 5. But John Niederhaus had to add an Old Testament and a New Testament reading. The message is really about how I've seen God work throughout my life. So this is the Old Testament text that John chose. Genesis 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old. Well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Funny, John. Now, the actual text is Psalm 40, verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. And then for our New Testament reading, Acts 21, verses 15 and 16. And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain Mason of Cyrus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. For the next few moments, may we meditate upon Psalm 40, verses 1 through 5. As we look into your word, we pray that you will speak to each one of us that which we need to hear and help us to apply those truths to our lives. For Jesus' sake we pray, amen. First, a personal word, I would like to thank you for your thoughts, your cards, and especially your prayers for Lane during these past couple of weeks. I am so incredibly amazed that she can be with us here this morning. That is just a real answer to our prayers. And uh, please continue to be praying. This Wednesday, we meet with the surgeon for the first time uh, to have some x-rays of how the healing process is occurring. And uh, we will appreciate your prayers for that. And I also thank you for remembering me as well. I've been in full-time ministry for actually several decades. I will not say how many because I'm personally in denial. I can't believe where the years have gone so fast. But today I'm going to share some things where I've seen God work throughout my life in, in amazing ways. And I hope by sharing these experiences with you that it will provide some insight that will help you in your own personal walk with God. Um, 
I was sent to Sunday school when I was three years old. Those were the days when parents were still in control. Today, the sports schedule and young people determine the whole family schedule, it seems. But in those days, when Sunday came, I was going. So I went to Sunday school every Sunday. But it was about when I was 12 years old. It was an Easter Sunday afternoon. I was watching the life of Christ on television. They showed that every Sunday, every Easter. And uh, this time, I, I believe I had probably seen it before, but when Jesus went to the cross and he began to suffer, the truth just hit me that he was suffering so my sins could be forgiven. And as a boy of 12, tears came down my cheeks. I'm not saying that's the way it should be for everybody, but, but that's what happened to me. And then something interesting occurred. I began to get an insatiable desire to read the Bible. I wouldn't just read a couple of verses or a couple of chapters, but I'd go to the kitchen table and sit down and read entire books at one time. The missionary that I worked with for so many years, Bill Scott, was born in Belfast, Ireland, and he said he came to faith in Christ when he was about 15. And I was with him in a church out in California a few years ago before he died. And he said, when I became a Christian, all I wanted to do was read the Bible. And I thought the same thing happened to me. This is incredible. But Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if we want to keep our faith strong, we need to be into the scriptures what I really would share with you, first of all, is no matter how long we've been a Christian, we need to keep reading the Word of God every day. I want to ask you, are you doing that? Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we may have hope. If you are a committed Christian, you're going to be challenged by our society, you're going to be challenged by people at work, people at school. Being a committed Christian is not easy. It takes endurance. And what will give us that endurance is by being into the scriptures on a daily basis, because there we find encouragement. The Bible says that we may have hope. Because as we look, for example, at Hebrews 11, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, people with all walks of life, all types of experiences, ones with which we can sometimes identify, we see how God worked in their lives, how he delivered them. And that gives us hope because he can work in the same way in our lives and, and he can do the same things. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Your word is truth. And for us to be set apart, which is what sanctify means, for us to be set apart so we can really be used by God, I believe that occurs as we not only read the scriptures, but obey them. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I pray that each of us each day, as we have to make decisions for that day, that we'll be guided by what the Bible teaches.
My dad had his own business. He supplied uh, animals to laboratories and hospitals for medical test purposes. And when I was 16, he made a delivery to a laboratory. And there was a fellow there by the name of Bob Brown, who just really was a worker in the laboratory. And dad got to know him. And he said to my father one day, have you ever studied the Bible? Dad said, we go to church. He said, that's not what I'm asking you. Have you ever studied the Bible? You see, when I grew up, we were really in the country. And the church my mom and dad went to was so small, they couldn't afford a full-time pastor. So the local college professor came and brought the sermons. And I don't think there was too much Bible in all of that. But they still went to church. And so this fellow at the lab said to my dad, have you ever studied the Bible? And dad said, well, not really. And he said, well, and this was back in the 60s. So he said, well, we have a Bible study on film shift that I could come to your house and show you. And if you like it, we can do more. If you don't, I won't come back. And dad said, well, let me check with my wife. So he checked with my mother. And so he came one Friday night, 8 o'clock on the dot. I happened to be home, so I sat in as well. He said he would be about an hour. We never let him out of the house till midnight. He came for 21 Friday nights. And we learned about heaven, hell, angels, the second coming of Christ. He really made the Bible come alive to us. And because of that, my parents became Christians. And our family and our lives changed. And I think we must always remember and be committed to the power of the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Years later, as I was working for these many years in India, all of our ministries are centered in the Word of God. The church planters that we train, the only textbook in our church planting school is the Bible. That's rare when you think about it. The only textbook, the Bible. Our literacy classes, the primers are full of scripture. Vacation Bible School, the kids memorize Bible verses. It's all centered in the Word of God. And in the last 10 years, we have ministry now in over 130 unreached people groups in India. And we are seeing regularly in three years for each group around 800 decisions for Christ, 150 baptized, and 1,000 people attending church in these unreached people groups where previously they were practicing witchcraft and black magic. Most of them were illiterate. They were ignorant. They, the way they treated one another was horrendous. And to see this type of a change is absolutely incredible. And I would submit to you, I believe it's because the word of God is being taught to them. Well, a couple years later, when I was 18, I found a film strip, Bible study. And on our road, there were actually four houses where people never went to church. I got into three of those with a film strip Bible study. Then at the end of our road, there was a black lady who was a professor at Westchester University. Her name was Ruby Jones. And she said, I'd like you to come to my church and 
share your Bible study with the young people. And just one door opened up after another. I was constantly having these Bible studies in homes, particularly of non-Christians, studying the Bible and doing this. Now, I want to share a third lesson, what I believe is important. If God leads you to do something, start where you are. I was 18. I didn't have a Bible degree. I didn't have a position in the church. I was just doing what worked in our home and, and, and duplicating that, kind of being Bob Brown in a sense. And what I didn't know is that God was laying the foundation for me to be involved in a work in India where I would have a significant role in raising up literally hundreds of Indian Bob Browns who would go into non-Christian homes with the goal of teaching the Bible. Matthew 25, 21, Jesus said, you have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. And I've been excited about our work in India all these years because it first worked in our home and then in my own life as, as I shared in a sense in principle what the, in church, the Indian church planters were doing. Another basic truth that I would share with you this morning is trust God when he opens doors and trust God when he closes doors. But trust God when he opens doors and be willing to walk through them. I had a question about the Bible that no one could answer. Now, you're really going to think I'm ancient when I tell you this story, but there was a knock on our door on a Saturday morning, and it was a vacuum cleaner salesman. And I don't know why my mother didn't answer the door. She was someplace, but I, I was there, and I answered the door. And I got talking to this fellow. His name was Eugene George, and he turned out to be a Christian. And he said... I know a pastor in Wilmington, Delaware, who can answer your question about the Bible. His name is Edwin Miller. You phone him and make an appointment with him. So I did. Now keep in mind, I was a real country boy. I just had little tiny churches and, and a, nothing. I drove in for this appointment, and once again, this is late 60s, this congregation had just built a new one million dollar church building. Their office where I went to meet the pastor was a stone building. It was a circular staircase that went up to the second floor where the pastor's office was, a chandelier hanging down. I mean, this was actually the evangelical church for North Wilmington. And Wilmington in those days was the DuPont Company. And DuPont Company has master's degrees and PhDs. I mean, this was really something big. And when I drove into that parking lot and saw all that, I honestly thought about driving out again. But I thought, I've got to keep my word, I've got to keep the appointment, so I met with Pastor Miller for an hour and he answered my question. If you ask me today what was that question, I have no idea, I don't remember at all. But you know what he said to me after an hour? He said, our church hires two summer youth interns to work with our young people each summer. He said, I believe God brought you here because he wants you to be one of those interns. How do you think I felt? 
See, I wasn't smart enough to be scared, so I said, that'd be great. <laughs> I met with a Christian ed director. I mean, they had a full-time Christian ed director. They had a full-time social service minister, evangelist. I mean, this is really something. So I'd even, I had to be interviewed by the deacon board on a Sunday night. I was interviewed by them, and I could hear through the walls what they were saying. The deacon said, well, those youth intern positions are really for our youth to benefit them and not a stranger that is coming in from the outside. Pastor Miller said, I believe God brought Bill Tate here and we should hire him. I was hired, good Baptist church. I worked with a fellow who was at the youth intern by the name of Randy Elliott, and we had a ball with the kids that summer. They gave us nicknames. His name was Randy Elliott. They called him Handsome Ransom Elliott, and they called me Wild Bill Tate because when we were together, we were, we were crazy. And Randy's a retired Baptist minister in Western Pennsylvania. We've been friends all these years, and it's been just great. But I'm glad I walked through those doors and said yes. Revelation 3, 7, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. All through the three years of seminary, I did my field work at Emmanuel Baptist. I was hired two of those summers full time. When I graduated from seminary, guess what? That prestigious church hired me as the associate pastor. Now, this church was live on the radio, on the air, every Sunday. And if you preached there, when the radio booth yellow light went on, you had one minute to go into the closing hymn because they didn't want the people on the radio being just a sermon. They wanted the closing hymn to be on that. So, I mean, you had to be precise just like that. When we had communion, we had 20 deacons that walked up the aisle, black suits, did a split tea in front, came and sat down. Because it was on the air, one Sunday the pastor said to me, I'm going to be away next Sunday. It's communion Sunday. You've got to do communion. And you see, the communion table had a microphone right there. So you didn't dare clang the containers to the almonds. You didn't even put them on the table slightly. You had to do all that and be finished. I'm just saying, this was some experience. And I said to the pastor, after about a year and a half, I said, you know, I love being here. I love working here with you. And I said, I'd like to be here for the next 10 years. He said, I'd like that too. Quickly after that, it was about June, head of the deacon board came to my office. And he said, our deacon board made a decision. He said, you've done nothing wrong. But he said, you are finished here as of September 1st because we believe God has something else for you to do. And I thought to myself, that's nice. It'd be great if God would let me know what it is. <laughs> and June passed and nothing. And July passed and nothing. And August passed and nothing. It's not really fun. You go all through seminary and you get hired in a church like that and then you are finished. And September 1st came and I was done. 
There's a song that the Zion uh, Choral Society sang here when they performed here a couple years ago, God Will Make a Way. And I thought, boy, how appropriate. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide, hold me closely to his side with love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. He will make a way. Good old Pastor Miller came to me in September where I was finished and he said, you know, there's a nationwide effort to get people to read the Bible called Key 73 and it's interdenominational and it even includes the Roman Catholic Church because Pope John XXIII in Vatican II just was passed where Catholics could now read the Bible individually. And he said, the city of Wilmington, Delaware is taking this very seriously. A number of churches going to work together for this one-year effort. They need a part-time person to coordinate that. Would you want me to put your name in? I said, yes, because first of all, I had nothing else that I knew of. And secondly, it was promoting people reading the Bible. And that's my background. And, and, and so they hired me part-time. And I worked so hard at it. In a couple of months, they hired me full-time. And I worked with churches all over Wilmington, all different denominations. This Baptist had to learn that there are more people than Baptists who have the truth. But it was an education to see God has his people in all different churches. And that prepared me again for the next step. Because halfway through Key 73, there was a luncheon in Philadelphia off of City Line Avenue, and one of the leaders of Key 73 was to come and speak, John DeVries. And so I decided I should go to that luncheon. It was for Key 73 efforts in Delaware, New Jersey, and, and Pennsylvania. And so I went, and John DeVries spoke, and boy, I liked what I heard. I, I went, by the way, most preachers bore me, so when I go to try do if you do this, you can actually almost sleep with your eyes open. And I went and I did this, but boy, he was so good. I mean, I was good. And we all had to share what God was doing in Key 73 in our area, so Wilmington, Delaware, I, I shared what God was doing. And uh, that was a one-year effort, Key 73. It ended September 30th. And in September of that next year, I got a call from John DeVries, who spoke at that luncheon. And he said, I'm working with the World Home Bible League, and our goal is to get Bibles into homes in every country throughout the world. He said, how would you like to be interviewed to work with us and not just promote Bible study for Wilmington, Delaware, but literally for countries throughout the world? And you know what I've often thought? What if I hadn't gone to that luncheon? A key truth is obey God each day. Whatever he has you to do that day, do it. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. I think if I had not gone to one luncheon, not a big deal. My whole life would have been different. I wouldn't have met the people. I, I wouldn't know you. Nothing. And so I worked 
Bibles for Peru, Bibles for Mexico, Bibles for Bolivia, promoting Wycliffe Bible translations, Bibles for India, and so forth. But with the World Home Bible in his early, early years, John DeVries was a pastor before coming with him, and he had a program for youth. And it was that kids would take a little metal globe bank, and if you screwed the bottom off, it came off. Now, we can't do that program today because you might cut your finger on the bags. That's like baseball pitchers. The poor babies can't pitch past 100 pitches. I watched Robin Roberts pitch. For, I mean, it's We can't do that today. But in that day, we challenged kids. They each took about 10 banks. They each visited 10 homes in the church every month for a year. And people put under loose change. The kids un unscrewed and collected. And they did that. But John DeVries kind of had a wrinkle to it. He said, when you challenge youth groups to raise money for Bibles, he said, I want you to challenge them to see that God is a God who does miracles. And he said, figure out what they could raise and then challenge them to raise or set a goal themselves that's way beyond what they could ever do themselves. And for a number of years in the 70s, youth group after youth group, I met with them. I calculated what they could do, the size of the church. And then I said, but do you believe God does miracles? And they said, yes. I said, did he do miracles in the Bible? They said, yes. I said, do you believe he could do a miracle through you? And I said, if you do, I want you to set a goal for Bibles for wherever it was in the world that's way beyond what you could do yourself. I wish you could have been with me. Youth group after youth group, because kids don't know any better. They set these high goals, and, had to, and youth group after youth group, they made those goals. It was incredible. I remember a Baptist church in Phoenixville, which is basically blue collar then, 200 people. In the 70s, the group of kids in that church raised $10,000 in one project. Amazing. And I always gave a verse of scripture that I, when I challenged the kids, it was from the Living Bible, that it was Ephesians 3.20. I can still say it today. Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. And the lesson I learned from challenging them is expect God to do great things. And I want to ask you, are you expecting God to do great things in your life? I believe that we as Christians don't nearly enough expect God to really work in and through our lives and do great things. I'm watching my clock because that radio yellow light's going to go on. So I've got to keep moving. So I'm going to skip over one point to one other. That is trust God to provide. Luke 18, 29 and 30 says, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present times. Mark 10, 30 adds, with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. You know, we all 
pretend or act like we're normal. But most of us aren't normal. I've been told more than once, I think you're crazy. But you know, I grew up in the country more in an isolated situation and, and there was something in me, I don't know if my mother did something to me as a kid or what, but I just wasn't nuts about leaving home. I mean, my nieces and grandnieces and nephews today, they want to take semesters in Italy for school and all over the world to go all places and I never wanted to do that. I mean, I've changed a lot now, as you know, Lane and I have traveled all over, but, but then I, I, I really didn't want to go out. So God calls me into a ministry where I'm calling on churches. I'm responsible for churches in California, Norfolk to Boston, traveling all the time by myself, not knowing who I'm going to, not knowing people. And the first trip I made to Norfolk, Virginia, I remember driving out the driveway thinking, oh, I hate this. I don't even want to pull out of the drive. And my second trip to Norfolk, the pastor said, you're going to be at our missions conference for the whole week, and there'll be a people that will provide you with housing, named Bill and Annis Jolly. And so I went to them. They said, you'll have our second car for the week. We stay at our home. We'll provide you with meals. I got to know them. And at the end of that week, they said, if ever you come back again, we want this to be your home in Norfolk. I just didn't go back again year after year. That's where I stayed. I had a new home and new people. And Addis, man, she could cook good meals and she made homemade meals for me. And I always remember her because she was from the South. And she pronounced T-H-E-R-E, not there. Thea. She always said, you can go over there. And her husband, Bill Jolly, was actually told jokes all the time. His name was perfect. And then I started traveling in Boston, and God opened up a home, Glenn and Shirley Sacred. Now, Glenn was the president of a satellite company that launched satellites all over the world. I mean, he was very well educated. In fact, he didn't talk normal. I would drive from the airport to his house on a Sunday afternoon to be there for a number of days, and he would say, would you like some refreshment? Instead of, would you like a glass of lemonade? I mean, that's the way he was. But you know what? That became my home in Boston. And Ed Hunter was my home in California. I spent years, all the freeways all over California, not knowing where I'm going, not knowing people. But God gave me homes. And the same Colorado Springs, Doris Dunahue, I stayed with. I mean, I could just name you how God has literally provided a need which I really had because going away from home for me was rough. But God gave me homes all over the place, so I really wasn't going away from home. It was amazing how God can bring his word true. Well, you know what? I'm going to skip to my final point because I've got about one minute left here. And uh, the last thing I would share with you that has been my goal is finish well. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, the Apostle Paul says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Bill Scott, the missionary I worked with for years, said the Christian doesn't run an individual race. The Christian runs a relay race. 
where the Christian gets a baton from one person and passes it on to the next. Be faithful to the end. Complete what God wants you to do so that the next generation can build upon that. So my last challenge to you is, are you passing the baton? We're not. In a lot of churches I work with, I'm amazed that the parents that I've known and grandparents that I've known, their kids don't even go to church. This younger generation is not, I don't see the commitment to church in them that I've seen in their parents. And I think we must increase our efforts to pass the baton well to our children and to our grandchildren. So I challenge you to do that. So in conclusion, I skipped a few points, lessons that I think God has tried to teach me that I've tried to learn along the way. But I'll just review those with you. One, be committed to the importance of reading the word of God every day. We need that. We need that to build our faith. Secondly, be committed to the power of the word of God. Third, start where you are. Fourth, trust God when he opens doors. Walk through them. And trust God when he closes doors. You know, that can be a job. It can be relationships. It can be all kinds of things. And closing doors is awful when it happens. But God has a way of opening new doors that are even better. Six, obey God each day, because you never know that little act of obedience, going to one luncheon, can change your entire life. And you know what? We all act a lot more spiritual than we were. I love Bill Scott, because I said, I mean, God used him and his wife to create a ministry in India that's reaching so many people. I said, Bill, how did you know to do this or to do that? He didn't say, well, the Lord led me. He said, just seemed like the right thing to do. And you know, when I look back on this, I didn't know what I was doing. It just seemed like the right thing to do. And then you look back and say, hey, that was God, and it was his will, and he was working. Seven, expect God to do great things. I just believe we fall short on all that. We need to expect more from God, especially if we want to live for his glory and the increase of his kingdom. Eight, trust God to protect you. I skipped that one. Nine, trust God to provide. Ten, I skipped this one. Know that God works through the church. And finally, finish well. And just one, one last thing I have to add to that. Be sure you are a Christian. You know you're not a Christian just because you're a member of the church. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you accepted the gift? It is so important. We can't earn our salvation, but have you accepted the gift personally in your heart? And then Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, a way you will know that you have accepted the gift is you will want to live the way God wants you to live. You want to follow the Bible. You want to do his will for your life. You want to be the person he wants you to be. It is so important that each one of us make sure that we've entered into a personal relationship with Christ. May we pray together. Father in heaven, I'd like to thank you for the incredible life that you've allowed me to live where I've seen you work in so many ways 
Time could be spent for your kingdom. Lord, help our lives to be led by you and help our lives to be as fruitful as they can be for your kingdom. Be with Ladies Church, Lord, all the dear people here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.